Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right. Good morning, One Life Church. It is so good to see you today. Welcome, welcome. My name is Red. If I've not had the opportunity to introduce myself, uh, it is the privilege of my life to get to be the lead pastor here. Hey, before we get started into today's message, I want to take a moment, look into the camera, and I want to welcome our online church family. Everybody here at the Civic Center, can you do something for me? Throw your hands together. Welcome our family online today. Let them know how much you love them and appreciate them. However you joined us today, we are just so glad that you're along for the ride. We know many of you here today are really excited because it is Super Bowl Sunday, and many of you are taking advantage of that technology that's right there in your hand on your laptop or on YouTube, and however you're joining us, we just, we love you, man. Thank you so much for being along for the ride today. Uh, As Nick mentioned, we are in a series called It's Complicated, but it doesn't have to be. And so before I tell you more about that and jump into it, uh, I want to do something we do every Sunday, and that's simply I want to remind you of who we are. And guys, we are a church not with small groups, but we are a church of small groups. Can somebody say small groups in this room today? Small groups. It is not what we do. It is who we are. We believe that God's word teaches us that you and I are not meant to do life alone. And we take that pretty serious around here. And so what we have done is we've just tried to create opportunities for community. And so every year we do them in a kind of a semester-based system. We have just kicked off our spring small group semester. And the fact that I'm even saying spring makes me so happy because the weather's starting to get a little bit warmer. And uh, this little southern boy, who moved to Idaho is grateful for the warmer weather that is on its way. Anyhow, but small groups are important because God's word teaches us that life change happens in the context of life-giving community. And the way you can connect here is through small groups. And uh, this is how we do pastoral care here. In fact, you probably have heard me say this. uh, The best way that you're ever gonna be pastored at One Life Church is through small groups. This is how we minister to the needs of every individual in our community here. And so small groups are important. Uh, You could text OLC groups to 94,000. If you'd like more information, that'll get right to your cell phone. You can click the link. It'll take you basically to our website. Uh, There is an online directory. So right now, I believe we have 18 opportunities. And I just want you to know what a miracle that is. Uh, I was meeting with our team, and we've got over, I believe, 162 people attending small groups right now. And guys, that is a great place to say amen and throw your hands together. That's incredible. Uh, So many of you are living this out, but many of you who may be joining us online or in the room have yet to maybe take a next step in that direction. And I want to encourage you to find a group, find a group. The best way to do that is through our online directory and uh, kind of shop the groups and find one that meets your needs, meets your schedule and have a lot of fun doing it. Okay, guys, we are a message note taking church today is going to be no different. If you like to take notes, if you would text OLC notes to 94,000, OLC notes to 94,000, you will get the notes sent to your phone or your smart device. If you're joining us online through the live.olc church, you'll have the notes there on the screen off to the side for you. Uh, But we believe notes are 
important because my job isn't just to inspire you and to encourage you on a Sunday. That's important. But I want to put God's word in your hand and uh, allow you to have a reference point to go, you know, I remember pastor said this and how do I apply this with what I'm going through on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday? Uh, You can fill in the blanks. You can save it as a PDF. It's a lot of fun to follow along. I'd say try something new. You might just receive something new from God that you've never received before doing something new. So I never was a note taker in the beginning, uh, but I've grown to love notes because I've, I've realized the older I get, you don't have to say amen to this, the harder it is for me to remember some things, okay? Especially my car keys and my phone. Every time I'm like, where are they, right? Anyhow, notes allow you the opportunity to reflect, to remember, and to apply. Okay, some, uh, turn to your neighbor and say, it's complicated. Now turn to your second choice and say, but it doesn't have to be. So this is a series that's all about relationships, and my hope throughout this series is to help you uncomplicate some things in maybe your relationships. So if you're single in the room today or joining us online, my hope is through this series to give you some tools to have some great life-giving relationships. In fact, if you're single in the room today and maybe your desire one day is to have a life-giving marriage, um, the opportunity that I'm trying to create through this series is to give you some tools in your hand that you can put in your tool belt or deposit for later. If you're married, in this room today, my hope is the same, is to give you the tools for not only great relationships, maybe at work or maybe with family members, but more importantly, give you some tools to how to live out a great life-giving marriage in your home. Now, I want to start off by even the playing field and let you know that I am no expert in the uh, category of relationships. And if you don't believe me, just ask my wife. We've been married 16 years and I'm a work in progress, okay? Uh, I've got a lot to learn. I've learned some things, and one of the things that I'm learning, and something I'm going to share with you today, and what I'm learning is that really there's one word that is the key to uncomplicating relationships, and it should come as no surprise, but it's one word, and it's called love. Everybody say love. And by the way, fellas, I just want to help you out for a minute. If you haven't already looked at the calendar, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Okay, (laughs) and all the hoops and hollers are all from the ladies in the room. Okay, so I'm trying to help a brother out. If you haven't already done so, go to wherever your store of choice is, buy your chocolate, buy your candy, buy your car, whatever you need to do. Okay, brothers, just trying to help ladies. You can say amen. Okay, all right. So, but love, 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 the topic of love. Can we be honest? We live in a world that is really broken and confused around this topic of love. Think about it. We, we, we interchange the word love and lust, our convenience and compromise. And oftentimes, my definition of love and your definition of love are often polar opposites of each other. So part of this message today is defining what is love. And not only what is love, how do we love in a broken world? How do we do that? Well, The answer is really simple, and you probably already come to maybe just assume this answer if you're in church today or online. And the answer, guys, when it comes to what is love, is that we don't look to the world, but rather we look to God. Why? Because God is love. God is the origin of love. God created love. Love is not something that Hallmark created, my friends. Love is something God created. And since God created it, wouldn't it make the most sense to go to the author of the one who created, who is the origin of love, to look for the definition of love? Yes. So what does God's love 
look like? Well, that's what we're going to talk today. Living in love is the title of the message. And I try my best to use this verse every time that I preach, whether it's in the message or at the end of service, because it is so vital to, to what God's love is. And that is John 3, 16. John 3, 16. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. If you're watching the notes, you can follow along. If not, you can see it on the screen. It says, for God so loved, everybody say loved. He so loved the world that he didn't just say he loved us, but he actually put it into action. He showed us he loved us. How? By he, he gave. He gave. What did he give? He gave his most valuable resource. He gave us his one and only son. That's referring to Jesus. Why? That whoever believes in him, in other words, whoever chooses to have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus shall not perish, not die in their sins for eternal eternity, but rather have eternal life. My friends, what we see here is that love isn't just a word. Love is a verb. Love is an action. We're seeing God's love expressed to us in action, action. And so today my hope is to bring you honestly a very simple message, but that is a very profound message. Uh, if you'll apply it, you'll begin to see the power of God at work in your life, in your marriage, in your home, in your relationships, and it will begin to unravel some things that have probably have gotten pretty complicated throughout the years. Today, I'm going to teach you two things. And number one, I'm going to teach you what is God's, what is God's love? Like, what does it look like? What is his love? And secondly, I want to teach you how to live in love. In other words, I want to teach you how to walk his love out in some very practical ways. Okay, so first, getting back to what is love or what is God's definition of love. We look to God and what we see in John 3, 16 are a few things. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. God's love is unconditional. It's unconditional. What does the word unconditional mean? Well, I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary. It simply means complete. It means absolute. It means his love is not limited in any way. It's not subject to any conditions. I love this about our God. I love this. This is the true definition of love. My friends, God doesn't require anything in exchange for his love. This is important to understand, especially if you grew up in any type of religious environment. It's important that you understand that God doesn't love you based on what you can do for him. He doesn't love you based on how much you give, how much you serve, how much you attend. No, he loves you because God is love. It is his character. It is his nature. It is who he is. God is love and his love is unconditional. It is perfect. It is unfailing. It will never leave you. It will never forsake you. It is an always remaining, sustaining, never ending, unconditional love. This is good preaching. Amen. This is God's love. We're looking to the definition of love. God's love is unconditional. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. God's love is also sacrificial. Sacrificial. In other words, it's an all-in committed type of love. It's a love that's basically it cost him something. What did it cost him? His love cost him his most valuable son. It cost him his son. Why did his love cost him his son? Because God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you, not a religion with you. God wants a relationship with you. And that's why, number three, not only is love unconditional, not only is it sacrificial, but number three, God's love is personable. God's love is personable. In other words, it's not a set of ideas. 
It's not a, you know, kind of this thought system of way of living or some kind of philosophy. No, God's love was made manifest through a person. Who is that person? That person was Jesus Christ. Why was God's love made manifest through Jesus? Very simple. God wanted to reveal his love to humanity. And the way he did that is he had to get up close and personal. And he came personal to us through Jesus Christ. You want to get to know God's love? You want to experience his love? It is known and it is experienced through one and only one person. And his name is Jesus Christ. God's love is personal. In other words, God's love is very relational. Okay? Number four, God's love is it's acceptable. It's acceptable. Now, this may be hard for some to hear, that God's love is acceptable. What does this mean? It simply means that God receives you. God receives you where you are, just as you are. God accepts you. And some of you may be, well, Pastor Red, I mean, you, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the mistakes I've made. Like, I'm unlovable. You don't know what I've done. Like, I've been married time after time. I've had divorce after divorce, failed marriage, failed relationship over and over again. And some of you have bought into the lie that you can't be loved or that you can't love. And I'm here today to remind you, if that's you today, my brother or my sister, God loves you. God created you in his image. Not only did he create you in his likeness and in his image, God gave you something very important and very valuable. That even while we were still sinners, Christ, God's son, came to earth to die for us in hopes that he could redeem you, adopt you as a son and as a daughter into his family. My friends, you are acceptable to God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and you were created on purpose for a purpose. And that purpose, my friends, ultimately is to be loved by God. So if you're here today and you feel unlovable, again, my friends, while Christ, excuse me, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love. It's important to understand. He demonstrated his love to us even while we were still sinners, when we didn't deserve it. He paid a price for us while we were still sinners. He gave us Christ Jesus to redeem us, to adopt us so that he could call us a son and daughter. This is amazing. You are valuable. You have worth. You are acceptable to God, not because of what you do, not because of your past performance, not because of your current performance, or not because of any future performance that you could perform for him. No, he loves you not for what you can do, but he loves you because of what he's done and who he is, because he is love. It's his character, his nature. So God's love is unconditional. God's love is sacrificial. God's love is personable. God's love is acceptable. And then I love this one, number five, write this down, and that is God's love it's accessible. It's accessible. In other words, it's not just for the few, the proud, the pastors. Okay? No, it's not. It goes beyond that. It's not just for a limited few. God's love is accessible to all who believe. Everybody say all. That's you. That's me. Remember John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved you and me despite our past, despite our problems, despite our hurt. He loves you. His love is accessible to all. First John 4, 9 through 11 and verse 19. Look at this. This is how God showed his love to us. 
He sent his one and his only son into the world that we, that's you and me, might live through him. And by the way, this is love. It's not that we love God. No, but it's that he loved us unconditionally, sacrificially. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So then, what is our response to this great love? Look at the rest of the verse. Dear friends, One Life Church, family, since God so loved us, and by the way, don't miss this next point because this is the key of today. Because God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Why? We love because he first loved us. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but isn't it really easy to love people who are kind, caring, generous, fun to be around? Like, it's real easy to love people who love people, isn't it? But where it kind of crosses the line and gets difficult to walk this whole love thing out is when people are hard, people are difficult, people have hurt us, people have wounded us, people have walked out on us, people have said bad things about us. It's hard to love difficult people. It just is the truth. And if you don't want to admit that, I'll admit it for you, okay? And also another honest truth that I've come to realize is that there's always a difficult person in every family. And if you're like, if you're like the 1% in this room today or online and you're saying, hey, there's not a difficult person in my family, like I'm good, chances are, my friend, my brother, my sister, chances are you are that difficult person, Okay? Aren't you glad you came to church today? Just trying to encourage you. So the question is, well, Pastor Red, if there's difficult people in my life, how in the world am I supposed to love even the difficult people? Like, what's the secret sauce? You ready for it? The secret of love, write this down. The secret of love is being loved by God. The secret of being able to love others or to live in love is when you are having love deposited into your soul and into your spirit Love by God. My friends, the only way that you and I will ever have the capacity to love others is when we're at a point where we're experiencing the love of God ourselves. Think about it this way. Um, you know, think of it like a bank account for a minute. You know, it's, it's really hard to buy something if you have no money in your account. Now, you can offer credit, but then if you still have money in your account, it's going to overdrawn you, and next thing you know, you're going to be in debt. And you're going to have to owe money that you didn't have on top of money you didn't have. Y'all follow me? But what's interesting is how you can buy food, clothes, take care of your needs when there's money, what, deposited in your bank account, right? Because when money is deposited in your bank account, then you can do what? You can withdraw, right? And you can make payments. The same is true when it comes to love. The truth is you cannot give anything that you have not received, you can't give love unless you're experiencing love. Like, you can't expect to love unless you're experiencing the love of God yourself. You can't. And so some of you are going, man, Pastor Red, I've read the Bible, and I know kind of where you're going with this. And there are some difficult passages in Scripture. I love my enemies, bless those who curse me. Like, that's hard. That seems absolutely impossible to live out. And I go, you're absolutely right. It is impossible in your own strength. 
However, God has never called you or I as Christians, those who are followers of Christ and accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior for dying on the cross for our sins, resurrecting and ascending to heaven. For those who believe in Christ as their Savior and invited him and his spirit to live within us, he has not called you and I to live in our own strength. And this is why Paul comes along, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and planted churches across the Middle East. He comes along under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says this in Philippians 4.13. My friends, I can do all things through who? Through you? No. Through me? No. Then through who? Through Christ. You and I have the ability to do all things, including walking in love, living in love, not through our own strength, but through Christ, I can love the unlovable. Through Christ, I can love the hurting. Through Christ, I can love the broken. Why? Because it's he who gives me strength, not me who gives me strength. It's him who gives me the power supernaturally in my life by the power of the Holy Spirit to do something that I could never do on my own, and that is to love others. And I just think it's a beautiful thing that our Father, God, our Creator, will never ask us to do something without giving us the power to do it. God will never ask you or I to do something without giving us the power to live it out. So, for example, look at this verse, talking about a difficult verse. Luke 6, 27 through 28. Love your enemies? What? Love your enemies? Do good to those who hate you? Bless those who curse you? Pray for those who mistreat you? Come on, man, that's impossible. You're going, right. It is impossible in and of yourself. It's absolutely impossible apart from God. But with God, all things are possible through you because it's no longer you who's living. It's Christ in you living through you. Guys, you and I will never be able to love. We'll never be able to do good. We'll never be able to bless others unless we're experiencing an unfailing love, unless we're experiencing God's goodness, and unless we're experiencing the blessing of God, even when yet we did not deserve it. And so that's why I want to say it again. The secret of love is being loved by God. The secret of love is being loved by God. I love the way John says it. Look at this. First John chapter four, verse 16. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. Time out. Who's we? This is referring to Christians those who have professed faith in Christ. If you're in this room or joining us online and you have yet to do that, man, we love you. We're so glad that you're here. You have a home here, okay? So this doesn't apply to you. This is just applies to those who have professed faith and their trust in God and his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, okay? So we, as Christians, followers of Christ, we have come into an intimate, notice the relationship. I love the verbiage, intimate, intimate relationship experience with who? With God's love, not a religion, not a church, not a person, no, but with God's love. And because of that, look at what we trust. We don't trust in ourselves. No, we trust in the love that He has for us. Why? Ready for it? <laughs> because God is love. He is the origin of love. He is the creator of love. It is his character. It is his nature. He can't be anything else. God is love. And check this out. Those who are, here's the name of our message, living in love, those who are living in love, what are they doing? They're living in God. They've got a relationship in God. In other words, what it's saying is you can tell, you can tell those who are in a relationship with God by the way they 
love. By the way, not even say they love, but the way they walk it out. And don't miss this because this is so important. Those who are living in love are living in God. And look at the last line. And it's God who lives, what? Through them. It's God who gives you the power. It's God who gives you the strength to be able to live what seems impossible out because it's no longer you. It's Christ in you living through you, empowering you to do what in your mind, in your natural, and what the world would say is impossible. So what does living in love look like? Like, how do we walk this out? What are some practical ways that I could apply in my life to live it out? And that's what we're about to get to, because you know me, if you've been here for a while, I'm extremely practical. I want to give you those. But I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention one verse. In fact, you, can, you can't bring a message on love without bringing this out of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8. This is what God's love looks like, everybody. Look at this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't complicate things like this. Look, this is complicated love after these two statements. Envy, that complicates things. Boasting, love is not proud. Love doesn't complicate things by dishonoring others behind their back or in front of them. Love doesn't complicate things by being self-seeking like me, me, me. My name is, you know, Jimmy, 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 gimme, 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 right? No. Love doesn't complicate things by being easily angered. And love doesn't complicate things by keeping any record of wrongs. (laughs) Okay? No, no, no. Love uncomplicates things. Look at the rest of the verse. Love does not delight in evil. It doesn't complicate things by thinking it's fun to rejoice when somebody else falls. No, no. But it rejoices with the truth. The kind of love that uncomplicates things is this. It always protects in a relationship, in a marriage. It always trusts. Love that uncomplicates things is love that hopes always. It's love that always perseveres. In other words, it's a love that keeps moving forward no matter the past, no matter the pain. Love, God's way, love the uncomplicated way, never fails. Now, your love will fail. My love will fail. But God's love in us and through us, through a relationship with his son and being empowered through the Holy Spirit and walking this thing out, his love, my friends, will never fail you personally. It will never fail your relationship when it's in the relationship. This is good. So what do we do? What do we do? This is God's love. What do we do? Look at 1 John 4, 11. My dear friends, I love that. My dear, dear friends. If God loved us like this, and he did, if he's given us access to his unconditional, sacrificial, personable, unfailing love, then we certainly ought to, key point, love each other. We ought to love each other. In fact, 1 John 3, 18 says, Dear children, let us not merely just say that we love each other. Like it's not saying not to say it, but it's saying it needs to be a little bit more than just saying it. Let us show the truth of his love in our life by our actions. Everybody say actions. By actions. So how do we live in love? Well, we live in love by our actions. And so I'm going to give you five things really quick. Write this down if you're taking notes. Here's where the practical comes in. And this is how we live out the love of God in us in practical ways. Number one, I just really said it. And that is we say it. We say it. Let's practice that this morning. And online, say the words, I love you. Come on. 
I love you. Thank you so much, man. It makes me feel good. Appreciate it. No, I love you. Listen, three of the most important words on the entire planet for you and for me are three words that we often don't hear as often as we should, and that's, I love you. It's not a love that abandons. It's not a love that abuses. It's not a love that talks bad about a brother or sister behind their back. No, no, no. It's a love that says, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to serve you. If you're married as husbands, I'm going to lay down my life for you as Christ laid down his life for me. You know, I think it's interesting that, you know, whenever I'm marrying somebody, like there's this whole like really short list uh, or really a a, a long list. And a lot of ladies, you know, I, I get it. You know, we read it and you're like, oh, my gosh. But then you get to the guys and it's really like only one thing. It's like, hey, brother, you need to die. Right. It's like give up your life, your ways and serve your bride by dying to yourself the way Christ died. And like so like. This kind of love I'm talking about saying isn't just like this flippant little I love you. No, it's an I love you. I got your back for good, for better, or for worse, till death do us part. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here, even as hard as it might be, because this marriage, this relationship isn't about me, and it never was. I made a commitment to God and to you to lay my life down, to die. This is speaking to some men in the room. Now, listen, it's amazing. Think about it. It's amazing the positive effect that these three words, I love you, have when they're present in a relationship. Like when there's I love you being said in the home, man, isn't it amazing the positive effect it can have on your spirit, your soul, and your kids, and your family, and even others you do life with. But just as it is amazing when it's present... It's also when these three words are absent, it's amazing how destructive it can be to your spirit, to your soul, when you never hear the words, I love you. I counseled a couple one time and husband and wife and the wife was just really frustrated and things looked like, you know, they were on the brink of ending. And she was like, man, he never tells me he loves me. And the guy spoke up and he said, I've told you once. It's more than saying it once. I'm like, brother, you better be saying it like 10 times a day. Like, you know, it's not about just saying it. It's about saying it, saying it, saying it, and living it. Everybody say it again. Say, I love you. I love you. Husbands, tell your wives you love them. Wives, tell your husbands you love them. Kids, tell your parents you love them. Parents, tell your kids you love them. Friends, brothers, tell your bro I love you. It can get a little weird, right? Don't tell you, but I love you, man. No, like, you got to bro it up when you're talking to a friend, all right? Like, you got to, like, fit, bro, I love you, man. Pound it, pound it. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, like, even brothers and friends, like, we need, we need to hear it. We need to hear it. So we need to say it. Really practical. Number two, we got to write it. Write it. Write it. Isn't it amazing, or at least it is to me, it's amazing how three little words have so much power in writing. You can ask my wife. I'm not making this up. I keep every card that anybody has ever written me that's positive. I ain't got time for negativity, so if you don't like something about my life and you write me something negative, I'm not reading it. Just telling you that right now, okay? I love you. I'll pray for you from a distance. But if you've written me anything encouraging, whether it be on a text or a card and you've gone out of your way, you can ask my wife, any card she's ever given me that she's written on, I have. 
Any card my dad has ever given me that he's written on, I have. Anything that a friend or maybe a church member has ever given that's encouragement to our family or to me, I have. I keep it away. Why? Because there's something powerful about words that say, I love you or I'm proud of you that are written. And so many of us, we just, this is practical Christianity, everybody. Not only should we say I love you, but we should display I love you also in words. Because words have the power to bring life and death, not even in what you say, but even in what you read. And so some of us need to write it. In fact, some of us need to pull out our cell phone and don't be scared. Some of y'all need to blow up the phone with emojis. Like you need to send your spouse emoji kisses, emoji kisses, emoji kisses, emoji kisses. Don't be sending your brother emoji kisses, okay? All right? But like this morning, I even said, and emoji kisses to my wife. I love you. You're so beautiful. I love you so much, right? And I did that. You can ask her. Okay? And bro, like if you're going to send a text, say I love you, put Y-A, I love you, and a fist bump or a little, you know, what's up, right? Bro it up. But say it. Write it. It's important. You guys getting anything out of this today? Hope this is helping. Very practical. All right, we're going to say it. We're going to write it. And then ultimately we're going to give it. We're going to give love. And by the way, it doesn't have to be extravagant. Some of the most meaningful gifts that I have ever received in my life didn't cost very much. They're not expensive. So what does a gift say? Okay, a gift says, I love you. A gift says, you're valuable to me. A gift says, I was thinking of you. A gift says, you know what? I stopped my very busy day to stop at that store that I don't necessarily like, but I know you like it. So I stopped there, went in, and bought that item that I know you've been wanting or that you just enjoy. And it says, hey, you're important to me. You took time out of your busy schedule, out of your day, to think of me. This thoughtfulness, this giving. And again, it doesn't have to be extravagant. A lot of times we think it's like got to be this epic, you know, if you're a guy, you're thinking, I got to buy her a boat. We know she doesn't want a boat. We know you want the boat. Okay, I'm just saying, right? <laughs> but whatever it might, it could be a magazine. It could be a candy bar. It could be a flower. Yeah, whatever it is, you know, and even ask, what are some gifts that would mean something to you? Ask, but give, give, give. Say it, write it, give it. Number four, and I have to mention this, and I talked about it a little more in depth two weeks ago, but I can't, I can't not mention it, and that is when we walk in love, we also have to walk in forgiveness, Forgiveness. My friends, you're never more like Jesus than when you're forgiving. You're never more like Jesus. You're never loving more like Jesus than when you're forgiving somebody else. Well, Pastor Ed, I don't forgive easy. Yeah, I get it, man. Join the club. It ain't easy for me either. It's not easy to forgive, but we're called to forgive. It's hard to forgive people. Why? Because people are hard. People are difficult. But we love. Why? Because he first loved us. So we forgive. Why? Because we've been forgiven. We've been forgiven. Say it, write it, give it, forgive it. Number five, live it. We're talking about living in love. Living in love. Live it. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. Everybody say love. The greatest Of these is love. The greatest of these is love. So this is how I live this out in my life every day. God, there's my prayer. (laughs) Help me to love people who cut me off in traffic on the way to work. (laughs) 
Help me to love those people that when they approach a traffic circle, they don't know how to merge into the traffic circle. So we sit there for 10 minutes. Am I the only one? (laughs) I'm just confessing my issues before you. Okay. This is helping me, if not helping you. But Lord, help me to love my heart, the boss that uh, it's hard to deal with. Help me to love my coworkers who have made it really difficult to even want to come to work every day. God, help me to love my kids even when, I mean, I love them. They're mine and I'm thankful, but man, I'm so frustrated with their behavior and their choices. God, help me to love my spouse as you love me. Even when they may have said something or done something that I don't agree with and don't quite understand and it's really kind of maybe cut me deeply. Lord, help me. Empower me by your love through your son in me to give me the power to walk this thing out, to live love out loud. Why is it important to love? Why? My friends, it's important to love because it's a little bit later than you think. It's later than you think. I love this quote by William Shakespeare. He says this, Better three hours too soon than a minute too late. Now, if Shakespeare's not your flow, that's cool. I get it. How about Dr. Seuss? Y'all like Dr. Seuss? Sometimes you will never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Pastor, what are you trying to say? Simply trying to say that life is short. Bible teaches us that our life is but a mist. It's like a vapor. It appears one moment and it's gone the next. Many of us have experienced this in real ways. And it's just simply important to remember and come back to the place of empathy that there are people that we do life with that are fighting a battle that you and I know nothing about. In fact, There are people who are fighting battles, not only out there, but who are really in close proximity to you, maybe even in this room, or people that are your family members. My mom fought a battle that no one knew. She was the happiest person, the most outgoing person, always encouraging people. But on the inside, she was struggling. She had some mental health issues, and it caused her to believe a lie, which caused her to die by suicide while I was seven years old. And when I think about what I would give to get some moments back before she ultimately made this decision, can I tell you what I would do? I'll tell you, Mom, I love you. You're valuable. You have worth. I would tell her, not only do I love you, but God loves you unconditionally, sacrificially. He wants to know you personally. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, even though how difficult it might be and the struggle that you're dealing with, there is hope in his name. His name is Jesus. My friends, when it comes to love, don't put off until tomorrow what you can 
and should and need to do today? Why? Because you'll never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. So my encouragement is don't let your moments become a memory. Don't let life pass you by without really coming to the place of understanding that love is truly what it's all about. So say, I love you. Right, I love you. Give the gift of thoughtfulness that says, I love you. Give the gift of forgiveness that may not set them free, but at least it sets you free of forgiveness in love. Live a life of love, loving God, and ultimately because you're loving him and experiencing his love, and live the life in love, loving others. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Don't be looking around in the room in this moment. I just want to take a moment and just acknowledge the love of God that's in this room today. And that's even through technology coming into wherever our family is today online. We acknowledge your love, God, that you have for us. We remember. We haven't forgotten. Lord, your love for us was so great, you gave us Jesus. To not only forgive us, but to be able to adopt us, to free us from our sin, but to adopt us into your family, to accept us so that we could walk in a relationship with you for eternity and experience life, not only on this side of heaven, but truly experience the most blessed life, which is with you for all eternity in heaven. We remember what you've done for us, God, through your son, Jesus. Today, we say thank you. Lord, many of us in this room, we've, we've been hurt, we've been wounded, we've, we've been walked out on, we've, we've had a lot of junk that we've had to deal with in our life. And when we hear something like this, Lord, it's, it can be very difficult to be able to even begin to understand or take steps towards it. And I'm just praying that, God, wherever we are on that journey, that you would simply give us the grace in the moment, maybe just to take a small step. You know, love doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation or restoration. It just means that as far as it depends on us and our spirit, we're called to set ourselves free by loving others the way you've loved us, by forgiving others who have hurt us the way you've forgiven us. It doesn't even mean we're called to do life with them. But Lord, help us in our spirit somehow, some way, the way you can empower us to take a step towards love as we're experiencing your love. We love you. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, there are some of you in this room or maybe even joining us online that, you know, you hear this talk about love and we kind of went through John 3, 16. You're like, man, I've never, I've never like professed my faith or even put a belief or trust in God through his son, Jesus. But I sure would love to get in on that. I sure would love to be able to experience this unconditional, sacrificial, this relationship that's personal and this love that's accepting and this love that's accessible. I want in on that, Pastor. What do I need to do? Well, it's real simple. It's just simply a heart that connects to God. It's a heart that just says, you know what? I'm tired of being in control of my life and I'm simply gonna make the statement and mean it with all my heart that God, today, I give you my life. And so wherever you are on this journey, it would be really the joy of my life to lead you in a simple prayer. Now, the prayer doesn't change you, okay? It's a heart that's connected to God and just mean it with all your heart. Can I encourage you, if you're in the room today or maybe joining us online, you wanna decide to give your heart to Jesus, would you say a prayer like this? Just say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Today, I make a choice. 
I choose you over me. I choose life over death. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin, to restore me into a relationship with you. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. And I believe he ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of you. And today, I ask you to forgive me, to change me, to come live on the inside of me. Give me the power to be able to walk this out. I love you. I say this, I give you my life because you gave me your life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, can we throw our hands together today for those who may have said that prayer today or joining us online? Yeah.